I had somebody trying to tell me with evidence, with external evidence, hey, these are your achievements. These are your accomplishments. These are where you're at. This is where you should be. This is where you should be applying yourself towards. And even with all this external validation, somebody telling me, test scores, whatever else, I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening and I was still playing small and I was still staying in this little tiny bubble. And it was like everybody just kept trying to push me until one day they tried to push me back down. And I was like, oh, now I know this is wrong. Welcome to a whole lot of shift podcast, the podcast for multi-passionate women with an entrepreneurial spirit where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you shift away from all the shoulds and supposed tos to what's truly possible for you in your business and your life, all on your own terms. You ready, girl? Let's make shift happen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. This week, we are talking about empowering confidence, And this is part two in our Empowering Competence series. And today we're actually talking about imposter syndrome and how to tackle that pesky imposter syndrome. So I really wanted to include this as part of our self-confidence series because I would be amiss if I didn't include it and speak to it. But I also want to say that imposter syndrome goes deep. It goes deep and wide and it encompasses so many pieces. I'm actually planning on doing a completely separate series just on imposter syndrome. We know that statistically speaking, high achieving women tend to suffer from imposter syndrome the most. So it's definitely something that I want to cover. Imposter syndrome, oftentimes, as I mentioned, if you caught the Monday mindset in the Facebook group, one of the things that I mentioned in there is part of imposter syndrome is feeling like your accomplishments aren't really true or valid, that your accomplishments maybe are just luck or they're a fluke. In last week's session on confidence, one of the things that I mentioned was that sometimes our self-confidence or lack of self-confidence might show up as, oh, I'm only getting what I deserve and I don't deserve XYZ, right? So When we think about that and as it relates to imposter syndrome, a lot of times then imposter syndrome can really play into your self-worth and your self-worth can then play into some of your money stories. It can play into how you are marketing yourself, how you're selling your services, how you're charging for your services. So there's a whole other beast behind imposter syndrome that I really want to dig into, but For the purposes of our self-confidence series, I just want to kind of briefly touch on it, and I want you all to be able to walk away with a handful of strategies today on how you can start tackling imposter syndrome as it relates to your self-confidence. So that's what we're going to get to today is I'm going to be sharing some of my top tips. So kind of stay tuned for that. And So to kind of kick us off, I've already spoken a little bit about imposter syndrome and how it's kind of that feeling like, you know, something's just a fluke. Maybe you just got lucky. It could also be that feeling of not feeling like you're enough. And so you're maybe 
a fraud. Like somebody's going to find out that you don't actually know all the answers or someone's going to find out that you're not real. That's kind of where the imposter comes from with the imposter syndrome. It's kind of that internal believing that you're not quite as competent as others think you are. So this can show up in so many ways, even though oftentimes there's external evidence to prove that you are confident and worth it, which you all are, but even we'll take that external evidence, that achievement or accomplishment or what have you, and we'll even try and turn that around and make it like it's no big deal, et cetera. So that's kind of what we're going to dig into today. And I'm going to share a couple of, of quick stories because I've seen this play out in a couple different ways. One way that I've seen this play out as it relates to women in their, in their business or even just women sharing their accomplishments. I have a friend who is in the beauty industry and she had struggled for a really long time with imposter syndromes and imposter syndrome. And one of the things that she felt like was she was constantly battling that image of, I don't even want to share my, you know, my work, my before and after photos of my clients, because I don't feel like my work is as good as this other person's that I'm seeing on social media. And so she was constantly feeling like she was in a state of comparison you know, she felt like when her clients would say, oh my gosh, this looks great. I feel amazing. Like they were just being nice, right? Like that wasn't real. Even though her business continued to grow and she, you know, continued to grow more clientele based on word of mouth and referrals and really grow organically like she wanted to, still had those internal thoughts of, wait, this isn't real. My work's not actually that good right? So this starts to show up because how, let me phrase that, how it starts to show up and impact you and your business is that you may not be fully showing up and sharing all that you can do and the services that you can provide others because you've got that little voice inside that's telling you, well, it's either it's not as good as someone else or I actually don't know what I'm doing you know, yes, this is something that I enjoy and it feels like it comes easy to me, but I I don't have as much experience as somebody else or I don't have their credentials. All of those thoughts, again, comparison is the thief of joy. We've got to stop the comparison, right? So that's one way I've seen it play out is just even the fear of sharing your own achievements and your own work for fear that it's not enough and that you don't have what somebody else has, right? Another way that I've seen this show up is just not even believing in your own skills. I can remember, this was back several years ago, I had I had applied for a job and, oh man, yeah, this was several years ago because I remember I was still doing freelancing as a bookkeeper. And so I, I had... I had a bunch of things happen. I had had a couple deaths in the family, like back to back. My in-laws passed away like six weeks apart from each other. I just really bad time. And for whatever reason, I think the pressure of 
family members, friends, society, whatever, kind of started getting to me about the fact that, you know, maybe doing freelancing work wasn't seen as stable. Um, I didn't have a 401k. I didn't have benefits the way that others had benefits, right? Benefits being health insurance, even though I did and I was able to still receive medical care a million other ways. By the way, all these stories, at some point I'll be sharing how all these things are also false. You can still save for retirement without having a W-2 job. Or you can also run a business and maintain your W-2 job if that's the purpose that it's serving for you. But anyways, circling back, trying not to squirrel, sorry. So I had applied for a job as an accountant at a, at a company and the recruiter kind of reached out and she was like, hey, I know you've already gone through a couple rounds for this accountant position and they definitely want to move you on to the next round. Like you don't even need to go for the third interview yet. Like we just want to move you on to meet with one of the executives. And she said, but I've been looking over your information and we happen to have like this director of this accounting department open and I think you need to apply. And I was like, you know, I saw that, um, I saw that role posted. I, you know, I don't know, but I mean, if you think that if you feel that I might be qualified and, or based on feedback of the interview and the interviews that I've already done, sure. Let's throw my resume in the hat. Right. And so she was like, okay, so because it is for more of a leadership or executive position, we need you to take all of the skills. I had to take like a bunch of skills assessments and then like some other tests. I don't even remember what all they were, right? There was, there was one that was easy. It was just a personality test, right? So it's just asking you a bunch of personality questions. But then there was another assessment test where it gave you tons of scenarios that you had to kind of select based on you know, leadership knowledge, HR knowledge, a bunch of other things, you know, how, how you would do in those scenarios, what your answer would be. There was, there was a bunch. I mean, I went through like a battery of tests, right? And it took several hours and I was like, this is wild. So anyways, I made it through all the tests and then they had me interview with a couple of the executives, blah, blah, blah. It's, a few days later and and I get a call from the I don't want to say the hiring manager because in this particular case the hiring manager was really like a top executive and they had called me to let me know that they had decided to choose an internal candidate which I have mixed feelings about because if you already know you're going to probably choose an internal candidate like why waste an external candidate's time but anyways and vice versa but then I got a call from the head of HR and she called me and she was like, hey, I know that such and such has already called and spoken with you, but I wanted to make a separate phone call to you. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't really get why. She's like, I need you to understand that we reviewed your test scores. She said, I reviewed your test scores and you scored higher than most of the execs at our company. Like you have some of the highest scores we've ever seen in these type of skills assessments. And I was like, okay, well, she's blowing smoke or something. And so I literally, I, I just asked her, I was like, okay, is there another job that you're wanting me to 
to put my resume in for? And she was like, no, I, she's like, I would give anything if I had another role for you right now. She's like, but I wanted to make a call to you to tell you that you should not be applying for an accounting job. You're way beyond that. Your test scores say you're way beyond that. You, you should be applying for leadership roles. You should not be applying for the first job that you applied for here. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe your test is flawed. <laughs> like I just, I had all these stories in my head. Right. And she was like, this is a personal call. She said, they don't know I'm calling you. Promise me you will never apply for another entry job again. And I was like, are you serious right now? She's like, stop, just stop. And I thought, I don't know, I was kind of taken aback and I wasn't even sure what to think about this whole entire conversation. It was really odd. But anyways, so fast forward, obviously I didn't get the job. I, I went on, I gained a couple more contracts for my freelancing for a while. And then when those contracts were near coming to an end, I had reached out for another contract, but with a recruiter and very long story short, that contract ended up being for a former employer. I just didn't know that that was where they were going to be sending my resume off to or, or my information, whatever. And so I got a call from my former employer that was like, hey, we see that you're applying, but you're applying for this contract role, but we would actually just hire you because you've worked for us before, whatever. And so, but they were like, but you do still need to come in, blah, blah, blah. And so I did. And long story short, they got me to, and, and I just, I laugh at this, but I accepted a job entry at, entry level, but not much above an entry level accounting position. But of course it was my former employer. I knew the business. I knew the employer. No big deal. So I ended up working in that role, not even for not even six months. And they were like, you don't belong in this role, but they had a rule that you had to work in a certain position for a year before they could promote you or you could even apply for anything else, whatever. And they were like, we're going to bypass that rule because you don't belong here. And so they promoted me. I was in that next position for eight months. They promoted me again from there. I sat in that role for a little while. And then eventually there was a restructure and my, my role got changed. And if you listen to any of the old episodes of my podcast, then you know, kind of what went from there. And I'm, I'm happy to share it. But that was when I decided I definitely needed to put myself on the path towards building something of my own. However, leveraging my career and leveraging what I could learn in a W2 job and in my career to getting me what I wanted in a business. And I'll speak on that later. But here's my point in this very long-winded story. I had somebody trying to tell me with evidence, with external evidence, hey, these are your achievements. These are your accomplishments. These are where you're at. This is where you should be. This is where you should be applying yourself towards. 
And even with all this external validation, somebody telling me, test scores, whatever else, I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening and I was still playing small and I was still staying in this little tiny bubble. And it was like everybody just trying to kept trying to push me until one day they tried to push me back down. And I was like, oh, now I know this is wrong. Now this doesn't feel right. Right? It was like a whole other situation. But I'm sharing this with you because this is where I feel like imposter syndrome really comes into play with your self-confidence, right? Like I didn't believe within self, when we think about self-confidence and what I shared last week and what is the foundation of self of self-confidence, the self-awareness, self-acceptance, and that belief in trust in self and your abilities. And we bring into play imposter syndrome that says, hey, even though there's all this external evidence, I still don't even believe it. And I'm afraid that somebody's going to find out and they're going to figure out I'm a fraud, right? Those are some of the examples of some serious imposter syndrome playing out. And so while I'm sharing a story about career, for many of you, you are still in your nine to five job and, and or you even maybe want to maintain that job as you do build a business on the side, I want you to be thinking about that because it wasn't until I decided that, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this story and done with the story that none of the external evidence is true. And, and I'm ready to start leveraging what I do know and what I am absolutely certain of to get me the next steps so that I can create for me what I really want. So, now, what I want to do, now that I just kind of shared a little bit of a background, a little bit of a story, I, I like sharing stories. I feel like they make a bigger impact because sometimes you can maybe see some of yourself through some of these stories. I think as women, we all share so many similarities and similar stories. I think it's important for us to share some of those, which is why I love bringing guests onto my podcast for all of you to hear. So here are some tips. This is, I want to dive into the strategies now that you can use to truly combat some of that imposter syndrome. So get ready. There's a couple of these that are some writer downers, right? First of all, acknowledge your feelings, okay? Recognize when you're feeling like an imposter. This goes back to that self-awareness that we talked about last week, because that's really the first step in you recognizing that you're telling yourself a story. And that there's that little voice inside you that you want to shut up. <laughs> and you want to start getting that voice instead of being something that kind of holds you back and keeps you down to be more of a coach. I talked about that in the Monday Mindset. If you weren't able to catch that, I strongly recommend you go back in and check out that mind Monday Mindset. I had a great tip in there, okay? So the first one is acknowledging your feelings when you're feeling like an imposter and really becoming aware of when that's happening for you. The other thing is to talk about it. Oftentimes, again, just like I'm sharing this story, when you share, hey, man, I am experiencing some serious freaking imposter syndrome right now. When you share that with others, it also offers you the opportunity to gain support and gain help, right? 
And you never know if by sharing that you may be talking to somebody else who's had some of those same feelings and maybe they could help you in how they were able to push through it or overcome it. And or maybe there's something in you that they can see that you can't. Because sometimes we are our own worst critic, right? Okay. Challenge yourself and ask yourself, is this true? Is this true? Is this a fact? Is this a fact or is this just a feeling? And I talked a little bit about this before as well. So more often than not, that self-doubt is not based on any facts. Because if we think about imposter syndrome, it's saying all the external evidence in the world doesn't matter because somehow you've got this little voice inside that's saying, oh, that that was luck. That was me telling that, that HR person, I think your tests are flawed. Her tests weren't flawed, right? Okay. So recognizing, is this, is this true? Is this a fact or a feeling, right? When you're saying, oh, I'm not as good as this other person, or I don't know that I can do that. Somebody's going to figure out that I'm actually not that great. Okay. By the way, that was number three, to challenge yourself and ask the question. So first we have acknowledge those feelings, that self-awareness. Number two was to talk about it and share it with somebody who may be able to help you. Number three is to challenge yourself and ask, is this true? Is this a fact or a feeling? Number four, I also talked about this for the last two weeks now, in celebrating your achievements and start journaling or writing down when you have those successes so that you can recognize, hey, wait a minute, I've accomplished all these things. I haven't talked about it a lot in this group. I had, I had another group a couple of years ago, in which I really dive, took a deep dive for a while into journaling and the importance of journaling and how, but one of the things that I shared in that group, I really like getting notebooks that have like these tabs and I use these in my journals because what I'll do is I'll take like one of these tabs and one of these little sections and that becomes my celebration section of my journal, right? That becomes the section where I write down, I write down some of those wins. I write down some of those celebrations. Sometimes I'll even write out the celebration that I want to have happen so that I can start manifesting it. So sometimes I'll even write out and I'll, before I go off on a tangent, I'll share this later on in some tips on, on manifesting things, but I'll write out what I want to be experiencing and, and what I want to be celebrating so that I can start manifesting that and making that come true. But also I write out any kind of little celebrations. Yesterday, I was celebrating one of the things that I did. I wrote it down and I shared it with others. I was celebrating because yesterday I, yesterday's, or not yesterday, Wednesday's podcast episode release was completely on my own. I did it without the help of a podcast management company or anything else. And it was something that I completely taught myself. I edited all the audio. I created all the cover art, et cetera. And I was pretty proud of that moment, honestly, because I think a little bit climb. I wrote that shit down, right? Okay. So celebrate your achievements. That's number four. And write those down. If you can keep a celebration journal or a success journal, I strongly recommend doing that. In those times of self-doubt, you're going to want that because you're going to want to be able to go back through that journal and say, oh yeah, I forgot I did that. Oh my God, that was a really hard thing and I did that. 
You're going to want that. And last but not least, number five, be kind to yourself. Just be kind to yourself. We all make mistakes. I think I even said in Monday, in the Monday mindset, I think I said something like, we're all just winging it. Like literally, we're all just out here winging it. It's so true. Just be kind to yourself. We can be our worst self-critics. And giving yourself some grace, some self-compassion means so much. You're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Lord knows I, I make them all the time. I laugh at most of my mistakes anymore because I'm just like, what else am I going to do? Like I can sit here and cry about it or I can laugh about it, learn from it and move on. That's it. That's all I can do. So be kind to yourself. Practice some self-compassion. All right. So if any of those kind of resonated with you or if you feel like sharing in the comments something that you either currently are experiencing some imposter syndrome from or you have in the past, please feel free to share that in the comments. It, you never know if just by sharing might help someone else. Or like I said, you never know if by sharing, you may be able to get some help to work through that as well. So sharing is caring. Okay, I know that was really cheesy, but you're welcome. It's Friday. Okay, the last thing that I want to say before we wrap this up for today, I really hope that you guys kind of think about some of these strategies. I would say try to put some of them into practice. I would say I actually just gave a really good opportunity. Share in the comments, right? That's one of the, that's one of the strategies is to share. So that's one of the ways, get out your journal, celebrate something that happened recently. Maybe something happened this week. Maybe you had a really big win and it doesn't, here's the other thing. This doesn't need to be a big win. I would encourage you to think about even the small wins. You know, maybe, maybe a win this week was that you shared with somebody else what your side hustle was. You just shared. Maybe you handed out a couple of business cards today that you wouldn't have normally, right? It can be, it can be small. It doesn't need to be big. Yeah. I think, I think those are, those are some of my tips and something I'd like for you guys to, to kind of try, you know, obviously, listen, the reason I'm breaking this out into four parts is because building your self-confidence, working through things like imposter syndrome, self-doubt, negative self-talk, these aren't easy things, right? It's a process. It's a journey. It's something that you have to consistently be working on. So that's what this is all about, right? Doesn't necessarily just go away overnight. And I'm here to tell you, we all experience it. I don't know that, I don't know that imposter syndrome or self-doubt ever 1000% goes away. But I can say you reach a point to where you can take a moment to stop and go, oh, oh, I'm doing that thing. I'm doing that thing where I, I doubt myself or I shouldn't or something that I, I had started recognizing a couple years ago in my, in my career is I had started saying to myself, oh, oh, I'm doing that thing. I'm doing that thing where the man would have acted like he knew it all. And I'm over here doubting myself when actually I 
probably know more than him. Okay. Like I started reminding myself, right? Like, hey, if you were a man, you would have already showed up and acted like you knew it, even though you didn't. So why are you sitting here and saying nothing because you're full of self-doubt? Stop that shit. Over it. Done. All right. I think that's it. I think that's all. I hope you guys enjoyed this little section. Like I said, imposter syndrome goes deep and wide and it covers so many things. It's definitely something that I'm going to build out a bit more because it can really build into self-worth, which can then impact how you are marketing yourself, how you're presenting yourself, how you're asking for sales, what you're charging. It can go into so many facets of your business. It's definitely something that I'll take a deeper dive into, but I wanted to touch on it for the purposes of building your self-confidence. I hope that you're going to join us next week. Next week is when I truly start getting into the strategies for the mindset of confidence and getting you to be thinking about, I am a confident person. I am a confident woman. We're going to kind of dig into that a little bit more and maybe think about some affirmations. So remember that if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Check out some of the resources in the Facebook group. Go back, check out the Monday Mindset if you didn't already. And yeah, until next time, keep making shift happen. Hey, shifters. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. If you heard something today that inspired you or resonated with you, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review to help others as well. Your review helps me give as much motivation and inspiration as I possibly can. And don't forget, you can catch all the outtakes, bonuses, special live stream interviews, and much more over at A Whole Lot of Shift Facebook group. Until next time, keep making shift happen.